because we do call it the doctor is in Q&A. Yes, <laughs> we definitely want to be in and not out. Yeah, that's right. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Chef AJ Live. I'm your host, Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people like you who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. Today's the third Friday of the month, which means it's time for The Doctor is in Q&A with Dr. Ron Weiss. Please welcome him back. Nice to see you. Hello. It's nice to be here, Chef AJ. Anything new in New Jersey? Um, We had a power outage here because we had a major storm last night, but... uh, other than that, no, we had a nice summer, you know, mostly shielded from uh, huge weather events. Like, uh, unlike the rest of the country, uh, our temperatures have been okay. Haven't had really a lot of really, really hot stuff. I, I understand California is going to be getting a hurricane. I heard we're going to get some hurricanes and I'm going to Mexico tomorrow. I sure hope I don't. Oh, have- it's going to be in, where, where in Mexico? In Tecate. It, where is that? Tecate is about an hour away from San Diego. Oh, I think it's going to be in, I saw on the map, it's going to be in northern Mexico, southern California. Oh my gosh. Well, the thing with hurricanes, at least you know it, earthquakes, you don't get a a notice usually. Yeah, but that's so unusual, right? Um, I think so. uh, California? I don't remember a hurricane ever in California. Oh my goodness! These these uh, these events you had in the winter, you know, with the inversions or what do they call it? The the streaming, you know, with the with the river rivers of rivers of water or rain. I forget what they called them. Where you where California got so much rain this uh, this past winter was, but they weren't a hurricane. I guess it may be because of the El Nino effect. I oh think. my goodness. Hey, so next month is Farm Days. Tell us about it and how can people participate? Okay, so um, we have this amazing, this is our signature event uh, for the practice and for the farm. It's called Ethos Farm Days. And basically its purpose is to give an amazing experience to the public Uh, an educational experience for everyone, whether you're just a beginner, whether you're really high level uh, in lifestyle uh, adherence. And it basically is a lifestyle experience, um, educating people and connecting them to, um, you know, our health, whether it be the individual's health, the community's health, um, the planetary health, and of course, because we're on a farm, we connect food to everything. So we learn about how to grow food healthily, how to eat food healthily, how to how to grow food and actually restore the earth while doing it. So it's our destination event. Chef AJ, people come here from Montana. They come from California. Uh, we have our we have world renowned speakers. I'm sure I know that you've had some of them on your show. So it's an opportunity to meet them like Rich Roll is coming and that's a rare appearance for him because he usually doesn't appear. He usually does the interviews, you know, on his podcast. That's amazing. Um, we have the Shirzais who are beautiful and a uh, leading neurologist in the world. They're going to be talking about um, how we can prevent um, a, a neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's disease and Parkinson's and how we can retain our uh, cognitive functioning and our memory as we get older. That's really important. We have Columbus Batiste, 
who is one of the leading plant-based cardiologists. And um, he's going to be talking to us about cardiac health and um, a lot of other fascinating things, including uh, fairness in medicine uh, and uh, across economic and social divides. Um, let's see what else. Oh, we're going to have Bob Quinn. Remember, he was uh, on with me for a little bit. Yeah, the guy with the with the gluten and the wheat. Or right. Something. So Bob Quinn founded Tamut, K-A-M-U-T, for anyone interested. If you have think you're bothered by gluten, uh, Bob Quinn has studies demonstrating that 80% uh, of all people with gluten sensitivities, they do fine eating tamu. And, and, and this is a, an ancient wheat. And what is the reason for this? It's because um, we think we've bred modern wheats to be not good for us. And this is uh, this wheat was uh, it came from ancient Egypt. It was found in the tombs of the mummies. So it's really old stuff and we evolved with this wheat. So um, he's gonna be here. He's gonna, uh, he also was one of the founders and in establishing and advising the USDA on organic certification. So for all those interested in organic agriculture, he's one of the leading organic farmers in the world. And we're gonna talk He's beyond organic. He's regenerative. We're gonna we're gonna learn about regenerative agricultural practices. They're gonna be um, they're gonna be beautiful tours of our production fields. You can see our food growing. You can inspect everything here. We're gonna take you into our uh, the forests and the fields where we have prairies and rivers, and it's just a beautiful event. We have mindfulness events. Uh, we have environmental events where we're going to be going into our uh, pristine waters and examining the stream life. We have events for kids. Uh, we have movement events and fitness events here. So, and great food by, uh, do you know Megan Grega? Has she been on your show? Megan Grega for sure. A couple of times. Yeah. Okay. Well, her family, uh, her daughter is a CIA trained chef, whole food plant-based chef. And the Kellen Foundation, which is her family's foundation, is providing all the food for us. So it's an amazing two days. Oh, I forgot, Peter Singer. We're giving him a Lifetime Achievement Award. So have you ever read um, Animal Liberation? I haven't read it, but because I was already vegan, you know, since 17, I didn't feel like I needed to read it because I was afraid it could be sad. But I've heard a lot of good things about him. Well, you know... I know that you initially went vegan because of your concern okay. yeah, for yeah. animals, right? And so this book started it all. Uh, animal liberation, he is considered the grandfather of the ethical eating movement. And um, he is now 80 years old. And this is one of his last public appearances. And it's the 50th anniversary of his book. He will be signing books. He's one of the most respected and, and um, living philosophers in the world. Um, if, you, um, if you've ever heard of, um, oh, what is his philosophy? Um, not, ah, I'm, it's slipping my mind. Altruistic philanthropy, no? Uh, he, he has this, he, he's one of the founders of, of, of giving. If, you're, if you have money, to make donations and give money 
um, altruistically, but uh, ethically, um, for ethical causes. So in any event, um, it's going to be fantastic. Uh, there are other speakers as well. Um, and uh, for those of you who can't make it here in person, uh, we do have a live feed and you can join us uh, remotely from your homes. That is fantastic. You've got to get me that information, including clickable links so that I can put it in the show notes. Oh, uh, sure. I will do that. Yeah, you, that's really, really important. Do you guys have any question about, questions about farm days? Is anybody going? Someone said that Bob Quinn, I guess, had a book and they read it. He they did. Read. The book is called Grain by Grain. Right. Nice it's title. Amazing, it's an amazing book. Wow, that sounds fantastic. The only thing is if they go virtually, they don't get to taste the food. No, or do the, or, or see here, you know, have the activities and the meditation. We have yoga classes. However, it's pretty good. I mean, you, you'll be able to, you know, we have concerts. You'll be able to see remotely all of these things. So it's a rich experience. No, well, I can't wait. Well, it sounds like a lot of fun. How long do you have to prepare for this? Do you work on this all oh, year? All year long. All year long. There, there are about 500 people that will be coming to it. And uh, so it takes over the entire farm. You know, our farm is 342 acres. It's one of the biggest farms in New Jersey. I know, you know, in California, that's not a terribly big farm, but here it's enormous. And... Um, it's a it's a 300 year old farm and it's been a working farm every day of its life. Um, it's 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 always grown food and, and been in agriculture. So it's it's a wonderful way for people to see how we've taken this farm. And it was it was once a CAFO, you know, it was a concentrated animal feeding operation. It was one of the first in the country where they imprisoned um, 600 cows here and milked them from the 1950s on. And then it became like a GMO Monsanto soybean farm. And all this is gone. All it does is grow native plants, whole food plants, regenerative organically, and clean the water, clean the air, sequester carbon, it's an, it's an amazing experience. Nice. How long have you been doing it for? Uh, so we came to this land and uh, closed on the farm in November 11th, November 14th, 2011. And we've planted our first crops four months later. So we've been doing it for 13, 11 years. Wow. That's amazing. All right. Well, I'm not. Oh, where is the event? That's where they'd like to know. There's a question. So it is on our farm. So all of you. Um, so I'm. I'm. Gonna, I'm just trying to. I'm looking down because I'm trying to get have Pragya send you the link. Um, okay. Um, so the if you go to ethosfarmproject.org. Um, and just click, there's a pop-up on the front page. You'll have all the information about it. They have a video of last year's event. It, it's, it's great. You'll see it. It's ethosfarmproject.org. On the homepage, you'll see the link. And where do the people stay? 
so we have, uh, you know, we're, it's a very rural valley, but there are a lot of hotels surrounding us within 30 minutes from here, 15, 20, 30 minutes. Um, there's, there are Hyatt's, there's Hilton's, um, you know, so it, Morristown is the largest uh, village close, the town close to here, and they have Hyatt's there. So they don't actually stay on the farm. Uh, well, our speakers do, but we have uh, we have limited accommodations. There are bed and breakfasts nearby, but they're probably filled by now uh, because, as I said, we have 500 people coming. But you know, northern New Jersey has a northern New Jersey has seven million people in it, and wow. and and just northern New Jersey, the whole state has nine million, and we're the fourth smallest state. So just within half hour of here, there are many motels and hotels within a 30 minute drive of the farm. Nice, that's great. Well, while we're waiting for uh, questions to come in about farm days, if they have it, you wanna put on your doctor hat and answer. I do, I, I, Dr. Stethoska. Thank you. Um, the, oh, I just see the, saw the text, so hopefully she'll send that. We can get it in both the chat and the show notes. Well, this is a very general question from Marianne. What whole food, plant-based foods are good for diarrhea? Hmm. Well, I've not had that question before. Oh, good. No. Um, I like when we get these maverick questions. It, it makes us think a little bit, right? <laughs> so... I guess the first question I have to consider before I answer that one is, is this chronic diarrhea or acute diarrhea? Is it diarrhea that's there for a long time or is it diarrhea that just began? Because there's a difference. Acute diarrhea, if, it's, if it just came upon you, usually it's from an infection. Uh, like a stomach virus. That's the most common cause. A much less common cause is food poisoning. And um, uh, and I know that doesn't sound good to you, food poisoning, because you know you think, oh my God, I ate a hamburger, I'm dying from a rogue E. coli, I'm going to be dead. But believe it or not, most food poisoning for most people is, is fairly benign and it resolves without significant treatment. Um, so I'm gonna go with uh, two answers. So the first one is if it's an acute case of diarrhea, usually it's a stomach virus. And so what I tell people with stomach viruses is the following, if they have diarrhea, stop eating. I wouldn't eat any food because when we have an acute assault on our GI tract, you have to think about what the GI tract does. It works very, very, very hard. A significant amount of our blood flow, our energy, and our resources go to support the GI tract, your intestines and stomach and colon, from absorbing things and, and assimilating nutrients and handing them to you so you can keep yourself alive. It's a big job. If your stomach and intestinal tract is sick, do you really want to put it to work? Mm -mm. Let it rest. And the way you can let it rest is don't put food down there. And guess what, Chef AJ? Diarrhea comes from food. Really? And, what? Oh, and if you don't have if you don't have food, you won't have bowel movements. Well, that, yeah, that makes sense. 
sense. Right? Have you ever fasted before? No, but I'm going to be going to True North and probably fasting next month. I love that. Yeah. Good. So you'll notice that when you stop eating food, there's no more bowel movement. You can keep drinking water. There's no bowel movement. The water never comes out the other end. The water is all absorbed and turns into pee, but the food turns into stool. So just stop it. Go to sleep, rest, let your intestinal, this, these things usually pass within 24 hours, 48 hours. And if you don't eat, it'll pass even faster. And then when I tell patients as if <laughs> after a day of doing this or whatever, 36 hours, if you're in the clear and you're fine, the first thing you start eating is you test yourself with fruits. Fruits have a lot of simple sugars in them. They're very easy to eat. They will start you off. They're very easy for your, for your intestines to digest. And then you slowly you do a little bit of fruits. And by the way, when you're not eating anything, you continue to drink water right? In small frequent sips. First food is the fruits, any ones you want. Uh, realizing that things with pectin in it, like apples, they have a special ability to probably solidify stool. And then um, the other thing, the next step would be boiled starches. And things like uh, you know, just boiled starches. Don't put fat or oil or salt in it. Uh, things like potato, white potatoes. Oh, by the way, bananas are good on the fruit side. White potatoes, I've noticed, helps solidify food. Brown rice does, although we don't like to recommend that because of arsenic contact in, in, in a chronic way, a regular usage, but it's okay for this. Brown rice, white potatoes. Uh, Dr. McDougall would like me for this record. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, absolutely. And, and um, yeah, and, and maybe some oatmeal, maybe some wheat berries, that's it. And then you'll be on your way. Now, what happens if it's chronic diarrhea? Let's say the person's had diarrhea for like three months or six months. Mm, that's more difficult. And that usually requires investigations. Um, the first easy thing I would do is if you're drinking dairy products or eating cheese or whatever, stop it because that's a major cause of diarrhea because of the prominence of lactose, lactase deficiency in our population. That's an easy thing you do. If you get off dairy products and all of a sudden you see the diarrhea goes away, hey, that's what your problem was. If you get off the dairy products and you still have the diarrhea, it requires investigation. Maybe parasites, maybe you know, other food intolerances, maybe, oh my God, there's, there are many different things. There could be an inflammation in your colon. You have to go to the doctor to figure it out. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Florence says her total cholesterol is elevated at 200 as her triglycerides are at 156 and LDL at 120. She wants to know, is it possible, is that the case because she's losing weight and the fat releases this? She's been whole food plant-based, no SOS for years with years of plateaus between weight loss spurts. She's between 20 to 25 pounds of her goal weight. She currently has a BMI of 24. But give me the numbers again. The total uh, total cholesterol is 200. Then we've got the LDL at 120 and triglycerides at 156. Did she give the HDL? Her age? HDL. She didn't put the HDL. Okay, so for everyone listening, 
this is a cholesterol question. So uh, I, I tell patients when they come in, you have the total cholesterol, which in this case is 200. And usually the federal standards, just to put this in perspective, uh, set a normal cholesterol as under 200, like up to 199. So this lady is one point away from being normal. I didn't say that's the best she could be, but normal. And then that total cholesterol is made out of the good, the bad, and the ugly. Dr. Clapper likes saying that. The good, the bad, and the ugly. So there's the good cholesterol, which is called HDL. We don't know what this lady's is, but that you want as high as possible because it cleans out the arteries. And then there's the bad cholesterol. The bad is called the LDL. And this lady's is like 120. I'm sorry, no, isn't it 100? Yeah, yes, she, said, she said it was 120, yeah. And basically, uh, that you to be normal, according to the government, you want below 100. So that's 20 points above. And then the triglycerides is the ugly. Like we can't, we haven't exactly framed them, but we know it's not so good to have high triglycerides. And that lady's is 150, what is it? Uh, she said it was 156. 156 and normal triglycerides is less than 150 and excellent. You really want to strive for under 100. So to me, my greatest concern probably is with the triglycerides. And, and not that I have terrible concerns about it, but to me, the most abnormal of the result is the triglycerides because it tends more than the other results of the cholesterol profile, it tends to indicate there's that there's, there's it smells of some metabolic uh, sort of uh, you know situation, maybe some metabolic syndrome kind of thing. When people have elevated triglycerides, you know, with diet, it, it often portends to be like a insulin resistance problem. And then that could mean that there are sugar problems or someday you will get diabetes and stuff like that. Um, however, I will say that there it, are a minority of patients I have noticed, as this lady has intimated, that when they start losing a, a, a weight, like a good amount of weight, and especially if they lose it rapidly, sometimes I've noticed that the triglycerides do go up temporarily. Because, and the LDL can go up, the bad cholesterol. And this is the way I interpret that. Think about it. If you're overweight and you're eating a fantastic whole food plant-based diet, which doesn't have any animal foods, it doesn't have any, you know, very low in fat, no saturated fats. Like why would your cholesterol and triglycerides go up? It should go down, right? But how about, if you're losing a lot of weight and you're burning your own lard off. AJ, your body doesn't really know the difference whether you're eating lard like this through a bacon, lettuce and cheese sandwich, or if you're internally eating your own lard, it's still burning off saturated fats, animal fats, including humans fat, which is saturated fat, uh, when it's burned or metabolized, whether you eat it or whether you burn your own off, um, it, it 
it, it can predispose your liver to making more bad LDL cholesterol and triglycerides. So um, I would uh, tell this young lady, don't worry about it for now. Just uh, continue on your way, lose another whatever, 20 pounds or whatever you have to do. And I, am, I would bet my bottom dollar that by the time you get to your goal weight, which is, should be a BMI of between 20 and 22, that would be optimal. You'll have a great cholesterol and great triglyceride. That's it. Thanks. You know, this and by, can I just add something? I'm not a stickler. You know, the, do, you, do you know what your total cholesterol and your LDL is, AJ? Well, mine LDL is 57. My total cholesterol is about 99. It's even below 100. Yeah, usually. Sometimes it's 120, depending on when I've tested it, but I don't think it's ever well, been higher than... Do you know what it was before you went... No, I, I don't. Because, you know, when you're teenager and young adult, yeah, I'm not, you're not getting blood tests. And if you are, well, you know, it wasn't like this that much. Of it, I can tell. Probably, probably not. It was, yeah. it was probably pretty bad. So the thing I can tell you is, do you, do you know, you know, the average whole food plant-based eater in our community, it said that, and I believe this, that the average total cholesterol is about 150. I would say for the mature whole food plant-based eater, you're in a good way, whatever average, like 150. So you're way, way below that. Did you ever have Dr. Wareham on your show? No, not on this show, but I had him on when I had a television show last uh, eight years ago when he was 105. Yeah. Well, you know, he had this, I remember seeing this uh, interview with Sanjay Gupta and he interviewed him because he was, you know, uh, for those who don't know, he was one of the, he was, he was a cardiothoracic surgeon whole food, food plant-based for many years. He was an adventist and still doing heart operations at 95 years of age. I heard and that his wife wanted him to retire. Incredible, isn't it? Yeah. Still mowing the lawn with a push mower at like 103. So uh, he got on with uh, CNN with the interview and told Sanjay Gupta, the reason why my heart can keep going is because my total cholesterol is 115. And I'm looking at Chef AJ. Well, you beat Dr. Ware. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> we can only. So, so I, I think you got a lot of life in you. Thank so you. So, in any event, um, just to put it in perspective, but you know, different people have different kinds of things. If I find a, a, a person who's of a good weight, their optimal weight, and they're eating a whole food, plant based diet, and they still have like a cholesterol of 215, or they have a, a an LDL maybe of 110 or one. I don't lose any sleep at over it. It's 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 not it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think what the most important thing to concentrate on more than the cholesterol is inflammation. Do you have inflammation in your arteries and in your body? Because if you do, that is more likely to give you a heart attack and a cardiovascular event like a stroke or, or heart attack. Uh, that, if it remains unaddressed with a low cholesterol, then is a low inflammation test with a moderately high cholesterol. Wow. I hope I wasn't too confused. No, I don't think so. Dr. Weiss, this next question we kind of discussed on text. Uh, so I think you're going to love it. It's about the movie. I don't know if you saw it. Yes, the documentary 
Poisoned on Netflix? I have not, but thank you for it. I will look at it. Thank you for okay. uh, you're giving me that uh, piece of information. Right, because basically, you know, you know, the vegetable always gets blamed, even though it's the cow poop that made the disease. Yeah. So um, let's see. Uh, Carolyn says she watched the documentary, which describes the many times people have experienced foodborne illnesses from green vegetables, particularly from spinach and romaine lettuce due to contamination from animal agriculture agriculture. Other than eating frozen foods or cooking our greens, is there anything else we can do to prevent this illness? Great question. Thank you. Okay. So I have not seen the movie yet, but is the, I, you did see the movie. Yes. Yes. And it's basically, so it, it's about foodborne. It's about food poisoning. Well, there's many different kinds of food poisoning, but it's the food poisoning we talked about with your first question, right? Bacterial food poisoning. Is that correct? I think I think that's what it was. But again, they were talking about like even E. coli from meat and children that have died from eating a hamburger. That right. kind of, you know. So that's I think about food poisoning differently than than the average, like the CDC or the USDA or the FDA thinks about food poisoning. When they think about food poisoning, and it sounds like when this movie <clears throat> Poison is talking about food poisoning. They're talking about microbial contamination with bacteria that can kill you. And uh, so, you know, that is a problem. And the reason why it's a problem is very complex. So it's because of industrialized agriculture. That's why. Um, so you may ask yourself, well, hold it a second is eating plant, let's say I'm just eating plants. I get it, okay? If I'm eating McDonald's hamburgers and I'm eating hot dogs, I'm eating all this animal foods that's coming from these concentrated animal feeding operations where they have millions of chickens in there and cows and they're all contaminated and poop is, the cows poop for this resistant E. coli being getting into the meat and then I don't cook it adequately. Well, I get, yes, that's a common common source of very dangerous bacteria. But how about if you're eating plants? Well, conventional plants uh, utilize um, sometimes contaminated processes to get the food to you. Uh, like for example, um, when I say conventional uh, plant production, um, Maybe I should use the word industrialized plant food production. So sometimes you'll see like, oh my God, a bag of lettuce was recalled, right? Because there was listeria in the lettuce. Well, what does that have to do with animal foods? I thought, I, right? Remember a couple of years ago, there was a romaine lettuce problem. Mm -hmm. You have to remember um, small regenerative farms who grow the highest level of food. And that's why I want people to come to farm days so that they can learn about this. Um, <clears throat> help to safeguard our food system. And it's because our practices are very clean. Uh, we utilize living soils to, to produce food that's healthy for you, clean water, um, and you know, they're all, there are different kinds of regenerative agriculture. Some of regenerative agriculture utilizes animals 
in them, but they're generally not the kinds of animals that are exposed to antibiotics. A lot of them that create resistant organisms that's gonna poison your plant foods. So this is a very complicated subject and I don't wanna get lost into the weeds, no pun intended, but suffice it to say, you have to remember when you're getting, let's say, an organic, when you're getting a head of romaine lettuce hearts from Whole Foods, e even from that facility, let's say even if they're organic, where did they come from? They came from a giant farm in California, right? Or Arizona, where they create millions of heads of romaine lettuce. They go to a centralized facility where it's contaminated by all kinds of foods. So a lot of the time when you're eating from these large producers and platforms, it's the production facility, it's the processing facility where things can get contaminated as well. It's not necessarily the farm. That's why they have to trace back on the, through the lot numbers, where these things were packaged, how were they processed, and they have to start, the, the FDA has to start figuring things out. My advice to you is go to a local farmer who grows regeneratively and they're much less likely to ever, and I don't know of any situation where a small farmer, um, although I'm sure it exists in history, I, I can't say it doesn't, but I personally don't know of any source of food poisoning from a small local regenerative farm. None. Yeah, that's good. If someone does know, please send it to Chef AJ and we'll talk about it next time. I'm unaware. And maybe you'll have time to watch the documentary before. The I will watch it. Right. Okay. Thank you. Uh, this is about essential tremors, the kind that runs in families often. What causes it? What can be done to prevent it and treat it? And I think they also followed up with uh, where they are. Location is in the head and hands. So is there any prevention or treatment for essential tremors? So for those of us uh, who don't know what this is, essential tremor is sort of like a, a it's a non-life-threatening tremor, but it can be annoying and, you know, uh, aesthetically unpleasing. Um, and it, it runs through families. There are families who have genetic predispositions to get this. It's, it's not dangerous. It's not, it doesn't uh, foretell a potentially serious disease like Parkinson's disease. There are other kinds of diseases which have tremors associated with them, but this is not, it's just the tremor and that's it. And otherwise you, the brain is okay. There's nothing else associated with it. Um, so, and it tends to get, come on as you get older. Uh, the amazing thing, Chef AJ, we found is that eating meat <laughs> can, be associated with this, even if, uh, whether you have the genes or not, even if you have the genes. And if you, I have had patients who've had essential tremor uh, where the hand is shaking and they've gone plant-based and in a couple, the tremor has gone away. And in, in almost all of them, it has significantly improved. So that's very exciting. Yeah. Don't eat meat. And when I say meat, you know what that means, right? That means chicken too. 
and pork too, and fish and cheese and dare animal products and eggs. Just eat whole plant foods. And if it's going to work with you, you should see it quickly. I remember in my patients, like in a couple of weeks, it was better. And it stayed better. It, did, it never got worse. This is a chronic condition. Wow. Essential familial trend. Thanks, Dr. Weiss. This one you touched on in a previous episode, but there was a follow-up from Paul when we talked about appeal and the issues with it. That's the coating that they're putting on the fruits and vegetables, and they won't tell us which ones are coated. How concerned should we be, and what can we do about it for those that eat mostly fruits and vegetables? Because is appeal going to be used for small farmers and farmers market too? I am highly concerned. I don't want things I don't know about where entering my body on my food when I spend so much time and energy and money trying to make sure that I eat good food. Why should I be subjected and why should my patients? I'm trying to reverse diabetes, right? I'm trying to help them reverse coronary artery disease. Why should they be exposed to potentially trans fats that are in this appeal, which might exist? The problem is, is we don't have enough information on it, but it has been suggested that there are trans fats in here, um, in this substance. And the, the National Academy of Medicine has recommended that there is no safe level of consumption of trans fats, even if it's tiny, they're toxic substances. Like, why would you want to eat a beautiful tomato or something that a bluebird's gonna help you and then be eating this poison with it? I don't. And what's so, what's so disturbing to me is that you will not have a choice. You will not know it because you're not gonna be told. So, who is going to use this? Regenerative farmers are not going to use this. There is an organic, look, I, I cannot speak for everyone, but when you're a regenerative farmer, you're doing things to improve everything, improve the health of the soil, improve the health of your plants, improve the health of the community, the planet. This stuff, is designed to make to greatly increase the shelf life of produce that's flown miles away. That basically, like so that stuff cannot rot while it's coming from Mexico to New Jersey or from Washington, the state of Washington to Maine. That's why it's here. When we grow food on our farm, it's gone within a day of being picked. Our customers eat it. If they want to keep it, it ends up in their refrigerator and it lasts for two, three weeks. And it's great. It's fresher than what they can get in the supermarket. That's the way we promote um, food longevity, by getting it to our customer as soon as we pick it, instead of having it using fossil fuels flying it around the world. So 
I encourage you to go to a local regenerative farmer. Local farmers, why would they want to put stuff on, you know, their food? They're more less likely to because, you know, why would they? They get they have their the local eaters, then they're eat, eaten, they're gone. The other thing is, I'm sure it costs money to do this. And philosophically, uh, regenerative farmers don't want to put things on food and and hide things from the eaters. They want their customers to know everything that is in their food because they spend so much hard work and time by hand to get it to a high level. They don't, regenerative farmers don't want their food adulterated and you don't want your food adulterated either. I have a, you know what Chef AJ, and we talked about this, there's some, there's some, this is a new thing, this appeal. And there are people starting to weigh in on this. Some people in the plant-based world are somewhat neutral about it. Um, and I can't tell you that I have all the data that can prove to you what's in this. But philosophically, I feel bad about it because I don't like additives being put on my high-level food and, and I don't exactly understand what they are because it's like taking a medication, right? Sure, it's probably gonna help you, but sometimes it ends up hurting you. And, and that's what it is, it's a chemical. Just and like a drug. They haven't really I don't, like, I don't like, yeah, sure, Tylenol and whatever, and sure, they're gonna help you. I don't like taking them because they have side effects. Yeah. And they haven't studied it. It hasn't been studied. And God knows, by the time this is studied 20 years or 30 years from now, if it's going to do damage, and who's going to study it? The company that makes it? Come on. Who's going to put money into it? Just, I'm very disturbed by this topic, as you can tell, probably, because we're... It's just another chunk that's being taken out of the health of our food system by applying these preservatives on food and you don't get to know it. That's egregious to me. Yeah, not right. So this question is from, I don't know why this has to be anonymous, but um, one of the famous longevity doctors, and they don't say who it is, says no, no to microwaving vegetables and potatoes. Do you agree? You know, from what I'm aware from the data that I've seen over the years, uh, microwaving is uh, probably one of the most gentle ways to cook your vegetables and food. And it tends to uh, retain, have the food retain uh, the largest amounts of nutrients of any cooking method. Boiling usually is not such a good way. Heating at high heats is usually not such a good way. You know, different foods retain different levels of nutrients with different cooking methods. But in general, if you if I had to pick one method that across the board is one of the more gentle methods, microwaving is. From what we can tell, it, it, nutrients are preserved. You would have to ask this longevity doctor what he has against that. Why doesn't he like it? 
I mean, I don't want to be bombarded by microwaves standing next to the microwave oven. You should step back from it. But after the food is heating, there is no evidence that um, there is any significant diminution of nutrients more so than any other cooking method. And like I said, a lot of times it's a lot less. So I don't have any problems with that. But this doctor would have to show evidence as to what his concerns are. Uh, I know Dr. Greger uh, has done a large series on this. You can look up, look up his videos, cooking methods, different cooking methods. He'll give you all the data on his nutritionfacts.org. Yeah, and Dr. Furman's okay with it too, Dr. McDougall. Yeah. I, I wish they would provide the resource. Oh. You know what I mean? Here's well, that's, the that's what makes us different, right, AJ? We're evidence-based. So look, that's what I tell my patients. If a doctor tells you something, uh, wherever it is on the internet, somewhere you find something, someone wants to take you a, su a supplement, you, someone wants you to do take ashwagandha or CBD oil or what, whatever. I said, look, I don't know everything in the world. There's the internet. People are doing 100,000 studies a year. I don't know show me the study. Where did you get this information that it's okay to do this or it's beneficial? If it is, show me the study. I'll review it and I'll talk to you about it. But I generally don't get any answers back. I think it's just personal opinion. So we base our, I just gave you the evidence. You can go to Nutrition Facts and find it. You look at it. I think it's strong evidence to, to support microwave and food. Just don't get near, stay back from the microwave while it's operating, that's all. Great, thank you. This is from Bruce and he would like to know, what would be a good treatment for an enlarged prostate in a 73-year-old man that has just become plant-based four months ago? Well, that's a good question. Um, you know, that's um, enlarged... He doesn't, this is not a current question, right? What do you mean? Did it's he, just, yeah, he is it, did it pop up? Yeah, this is, week. Is he, is he having problems? You're, is he waking up urinating? The question night? came in, he didn't mention, but the, the question came in on the 14th. Um, they're asking, about, how is he bothered by yeah, it? Well, well, they're saying, um, I guess he, they said, I, they're, they're saying, I heard zinc is good for the prostate and could help with the frequent urination, but plant based zinc can't be absorbed. Yeah. That meat and seafood can help. Um, he, meat and seafood can help because it has zinc. And that's what they're saying. Yeah. I personally think that's probably the cause of the, the enlarged prostate. So, enlarged prostates, which is known as medically known as BPH, benign prostatic hypertrophy, is a very common thing in males past like middle age, like 50s, 60s, 70s. They're, if you go into the general American public, you can tell whether a man has it because you ask him how many times he wakes up at night to go to the bathroom, right? Um, usually young people, they can sleep through the entire night, a young man. Uh, older men, they get up multiple times during the night to pee. And that usually indicates, not all the time, there could be other problems like overactive bladder, but for men, it usually indicates that they have an enlarged prostate. So I'm assuming that this gentleman is probably 
peeing too frequently. And the reason why this happens with a large prostate is you, your setup is, is that you have the kidneys. The kidneys are urine-making machines. They fill their dialysis machines. They filter poisons out of your blood, clean your poisons, and make the poisons into urine and dump them out of your body. They get, get out of the kidney going down two long pipes called the ureters. These two long pipes empty into, into your bladder, which is a tank in your pelvis, which holds the urine. The problem is, is that there's only one way out of that bladder. It's the bottom of the tank and it's called the urethra. And that's the urine tube that goes out of the penis. And what happens is the prostate sits underneath the bladder and surrounds that emptying drain pipe. As in it gets larger and larger with age, probably from eating meat, seafood, the standard American diet. I personally think that that's probably the leading cause. Um, it not only gets bigger outwards, it gets bigger inwards and starts to impinge upon the flow of urine out of that bladder. And so now as the person gets older and the and prostate gets larger and it, it, it progressively blocks urine outflow from the bladder, the bladder never gets to empty itself. So you'll go to the bathroom at 10 o'clock p.m. and you'll only empty a little bit of the urine because it can't get all out. And then you'll wake up at midnight, you'll have to get up and pee again. At 3 a.m., you'll have to pee again because you're never emptying your bladder all night. So that's generally what happens. And, and I'm guessing that's what symptoms this gentleman has. Yeah, the I, peeing at night, yep. I've noticed, quite frankly, I mean, I'll be honest with you, Chef AJ in the audience. I can, I'll tell you when plants work and I'll tell you when they don't work. This is not a fantastic thing that plants can help you with. I do believe in my heart that I think over many decades, I think that plants can help prevent this problem from occurring, a low fat, whole food, plant-based diet. Um, I do believe it can prevent it, but I, I have not noticed because I've taken a lot of men with this problem and they've transitioned over to whole food, plant-based diet. And I've generally not noticed a lot of improvement in their symptoms or decrease of the prostate size. Um, I will, having said, having said that, I will say this. I believe that there is some study somewhere that has intimated that if you eat enough fl ground flax seeds, that that can reduce the size of the prostate and frequent urination symptoms. And that would occur over about six months. Dr. Greger, I think also has a video um, stating, uh, showing that eating pumpkin seeds, which have a lot of zinc in them, don't go to fish and, and destroy our oceans or beef or don't and clog up your arteries. Just you can eat pumpkin seed, a tablespoon a day, and a teaspoon of cranberry powder, organic cranberry, because remember, cranberries are grown with a lot of toxic chemicals. Don't get concentrated cranberry powder, which is not organic. It's loaded with poison. So organic, like freeze-dried cranberry powder, 
you can get it and a tablespoon of pumpkin seeds and I think I would probably try to eat uh, maybe two tablespoons of gr ground flaxseed a day and maybe two tablespoons cooked in moist heat a day, all ground to lower cyanide levels, which is a naturally occurring poison in, and if, in flaxseed. And if you did this, I think that's the best thing you can do with plants. And, um, you know, there is some data that's sh showing it, it can improve your symptoms. I personally have not noticed it. And some of my patients, we've had to put on medications, which are helpful. So I would rather do that than get a prostate operation. Absolutely. Uh, some of the live viewers are saying that Dr. Peter Rogers, who also has a regular show, has mentioned he's not a fan of appeal either. Good. Let me hug that man. Yeah, he's one. I think you'd like him. Uh, maybe you have time for one more short question. This is about soy. It's from Annie. Could eating too much soy products cause an elevated uric acid? I've not seen that. Um, not seen it. Um, no. Uh, you know, again, I, we don't know everything in the world, but that's not something that rings a bell. And until uh, if you have proof of why you would say something like that, you know, I... I wouldn't, you know, there are some, okay. Uric acid is a mineral that floats around in the blood. And if it gets too high, it can cause a painful condition known as gout. It's a very, very painful joint arthritis, torture. So there are certain people who, you know, can't absorb too much or who can't get rid of uric acid and it accumulates uh, animal proteins known as purines uh, can increase your level um, of the uric acid because the uric acid is made out of these proteins. And for almost all people, when they lose weight, eat a whole food plant-based diet, I think I only have one person I know out of the thousands of people who are my patients are on plants that I know have gout attacks, even though they're eating a whole food plant-based diet the 200 others there it's gone it doesn't doesn't bother them so this one person that still gets the gout attacks because they have you know and the uric acid is not even that high it's, it's just a moderate elevation uh we've been looking into whether you know perhaps there are some plant foods that do have purines in it elevated purines like asparagus or like some mushrooms have it but supposedly they've done studies and have said that the purines in plant foods don't elevate uric acid, but you know, who, who knows? There's some reason why a plant-based person is getting a gout attack. So could it be soy? I don't know, hard to say. Um, however, if this person, uh, my, my overall advice to you is eat a whole food plant-based diet if you're not, and lose weight because that is the most important thing in getting uric acid down. And 99% of the time you'll be successful. Uh, last thing about soy. Uh, if anyone has any information on this, I am a little interested in this. Um, 
I was wondering, you know, because a lot of our patients eat soy. I, I encourage it in all of our patients, Chef AJ, because, you know, it, it's good. The data shows that it helps to prevent breast cancer. and um, It does a lot of good things for you. It's high in protein. But Chef AJ, it also is high in fat. It's one of the beans that are highest in fat. And the other thing is that it's fat is not the best kind of fat. It's fat is an omega-6. It's high in omega-6 fats, which are kind of inflammatory fat. Um, so um, I'm one, I was wondering if our patients who eat a lot of soy could elevate their LDL cholesterol. And I just did a little experiment on one of our patients and I came out, we took them completely off soy and then we put them on soy. We did like a crossover, N equals one study with this one patient and their LDL never changed, whether they were eating a lot of soy or none at all. So this has to do with soy. If anyone ever in the audience ever has any information on this or they've noticed that eating soy products, whether they be soybeans or tofu or edamame or uh, what do you call it, the tempeh or even soy milk. Um, if, if they've noticed that, I'd be interested in that, if soy has that untoward effect. But so far as I can tell, not, not, no. Well, thank you, Dr. Weiss. Any last words on farm days to get- Yes, please. You will thank me forever. Come. It, uh, last year's was just glorious. Uh, people left here just tingling. It was just a, a, a unique, it's not like a regular one of these plant-based conventions, Chef AJ. I think it's the farm. It's such, it's such a poignant place. You're out in nature. It, you're in this beautiful green valley and the sun hopefully is shining. And even if it's raining, it doesn't matter. Just being around these hundreds of people and it, sharing meals and doing all these natural things. It's just a beautiful experience. It's not like you're sitting in a lecture hall listening to things or writing things down. It's just great. So I encourage everyone to come. And if you just can't get away, please come virtually online. You'll enjoy it almost as much. Right. Well, get me those links and I'll put them in yeah, the ethosfarmproject.org. Ethosfarmproject.org and Prague will send you the link. Right. But if you give them to me, they can, we can make it clickable and make it really easy. I will. All right. Well, thanks, Dr. Weiss. Um, I guess I won't see you until after farm days. You'll be back on the, the night, the first day before the night of Rosh Hashanah on September 15th. Yes, I will. Great. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you, Angel. You're welcome. Thank and you, everyone. Thank you. And thanks all of you for watching another episode of Chef AJ Live. Please come back tomorrow at 11 a.m. Pacific time for Dr. Nandita Shah. She's going to be talking about reversing hypertension with a plant-based diet and making delicious Indian recipes. Take care, everyone.